Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Gee! He's round the goalkeeper! He's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. The crowd sounds of South Wales, a collective noun for sackings, no context Peter Drury, the shorthand mid-weekend language of title races, the greatest notable name X of field of expertise Y of all time, uncertain times for the footballing verb to stun, leaving everything out there versus not leaving anything out there, non-threatening hooligan firm names, and the most on in the background during a pub lunch fixture of all. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 246 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and my adjudication panellists today are David Walker. How's it going? Yeah, very well. Also with us is Nick Miller. How's it going? Ah, oh, very well. How are you? I'm all right. Charlie Eccleshare, I fear, flying the Clichés nest. He was on Football Focus on Saturday. Wow. Billy Big Time. Yeah, I, I, I watched him and I was thinking, I recognise those curtains. Seen those curtains many a time. Oh, so he wasn't... He wasn't there, like with a mic. No, pitch side. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't put any effort into his background either. I'm just glad. I'm glad for both us and the British Broadcasting Corporation that Charlie Eccleshare's Wi-Fi held up for an <laughs> entire episode of Football Focus. We all win, right? Adjudication panel time, and uh, a simple pleasure to start with. This came from Saint Raymond who says the sounds for this are perfect. The way of it hitting the wall, the ooh when it hits the post, and then the roar for the goal. It is a home and away pleasure. It's Swansea's late, late winner at Cardiff. (laughs) Glorious transition. Given that it was Swansea, Dave, I was half expecting... To, if I listen closely to hear Ellis in the background going, yeah! <laughs> I'm sure it's in there somewhere. But yeah, that is that is lovely. Great rhythm to it. Perfect. And uh, a lovely kind of adversarial nature about it, Nick, because the initial sound is the free kick hitting the wall. So that's the Cardiff fans reacting. And then the shot hitting the post, which presumably is the Swansea fans reacting with an ooh. And then they get to celebrate the goal. Everyone plays their part is basically what I'm saying. Everyone plays their part, and I think if you were to play that those noises to me without the visuals, I could, you could have a pretty good stab at exactly what's happened. Yes, there, not not just like 
oh, there's a, a series of events that you, you that's that's a free kick in the wall. It's a shot saved, and then it's a goal. And the volume, and you, the volume increases with each each bit of it, just in a very nice manner, ascending scale. Yeah, you, you really couldn't have composed it better. It really was sensational stuff. Now. It is sacking, sacking. Well, it's not really sacking season. Sacking season is more October, but we've had a um, a burst of sackings in the Premier League, Nick. Uh, and in fact, Declan Allen writes in and says, "What's the accepted collective term for a lot of sackings in a short time? A glut, a spate, a succession? I instinctively feel that spate fits, as it feels the most negative, because it usually only refers to robberies." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, spate was my instant reaction there. I think glut is more of a glut's a goals thing. Mm. Succession is chances. Yeah, I think spate of what about a string of sackings? A string of sackings, or do they have to be connected by their very definition? Dave? Well, a string of defeats, I think. Uh, yeah, but they're linked. You know, one defeat comes after another for a, for a particular club. Whereas sackings are self-contained. Surely they're not necessarily yeah. dependent on each other so that's I feel that has to play a part Dave yeah I don't know I, just, I sort of just like the way it sounds a string of sackings a, a spate I, I always associate spate with injuries spate yeah. of injuries yeah, that's true. Um, glut you're right is you know as in gluttonous this isn't doesn't really fit yeah it's, flurry it, doesn't work yeah. Flurry doesn't. Yeah, Flurry's it, too sort of chaotic, too frivolous. If it was the what? If it was the same person doing all the sacking, then that could be a glut of sackings. Because <laughs> they were taking them, real pleasure from gorging it well. themselves on the sackings. Yeah, like, like Massimo Cellino. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, um, okay. Well, in lieu of any better things, we'll go with spate. Spate of sackings, and it has alliteration, which always helps. Um, yes, indeed. Uh, most notably, Graham Potter being put out of his misery at Chelsea. This, um, this though, came from Alistair Nunn who was watching, of all people, Jamie O'Hara assessing Chelsea's current situation on Sky Sports News. I think the only way he stays in as, as manager next season is if he wins the Champions League. You've got to beat Real Madrid um, and you've got to win the Champions League this season. It's unacceptable where they are. I mean, you know, they're on page two in the Premier League. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it's Chelsea Football Club. <laughs> First of all, you know, qualitatively, Nick, I'm not against this. I quite like it. It, it, it. There's something quite kind of flippant about it, which is good. But the motivation for this must be CFAX, right? He must be of us just about of the vintage to appreciate CFAX. Otherwise, what are you referring to? When they have the TV, uh, the, um, the tables on TV, they often do yep. top half yeah. and bottom half, don't they? <laughs> that's it. So that's, that's not pages. I know it's not, it's not really pages, but you can see where he's going. Oh, okay. So, okay. It's not screen oh, to, right. is it? Okay, fair enough. Um, I, I, I mean, it's damning, Dave. That's the good thing about it. Yeah, they're on page two. It's good. I like it. Yeah, I like it. That, yeah, that's really good. And I think that's exactly where it comes from, Nick. When you have uh, at the end of the match on Sky, it's the it's the second. It is the sort of second page. It's, it's it feels like a page, doesn't it? I don't think it's CFAX. Although, re- really, real minute point here. Do they not often start with the bottom half of the table and then ah. move to the top? Well, no, so it is depends. it page two? Depends no, who's playing, doesn't depends it? Depends who's playing, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you yeah. might be right. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Which way around do they do on Match of the Day? Because that's that's how they do it on Match of the Day as well. Do they start Surely with Surely it's top first. I think it's top stuff, first. It? Yeah. Yeah, it mm. is. It definitely is. Are there any leagues out there that are big enough to warrant a page three? Because <laughs> uh. that's different. <laughs> They, st- they still managed to cram them all on two in uh, in your, your, your league twos. Mm. Yeah, you can't you can't spread a league table over three pages, can you? Uh, not even for the purpose of innuendo. Um, but yeah, um, a a rare victory for Jamie O'Hara there, I think. Anyway, let's um, let's revisit a hero of ours. It's Peter Drury. Ben Nepler gets in touch, and he was watching Manchester City versus Liverpool at the weekend. Peter Drury on commentary duty in the US. 
And um, he described Liverpool, Dave, as Man City's most rivalrous opponents. I mean, it's just it's just the right level of is this a wordness that you have to look it up. It turns out it is a word. It means prone to or subject to rivalry, which of course it does. It's such a dreary word. It's so perfect. Yeah, I don't like it though. <laughs> it's a bit winningist, isn't it? Uh, it's gonna, exactly yeah. what I was going to say. It feels feels in the same family as winningist. Well, he's US now. He's getting yeah. infected. Yeah, yeah, knows his audience. Yeah, that's true. Um, meanwhile, on planet Peter. A couple of things to pick up on. I mean, there's no great deal of thought gone into the editing here. It's simply out of context Drury, really. A hot knife through butter. And everyone's bouncing up and down. The big boy himself. <laughs> Could be anything. <laughs> so that, are they stitched that together? No, no, that, 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 that was in succession. Right, oh, uh, I okay. just removed all context from it, but um, uh, it is a delightful in a way. It could be anything. Uh, that's page three. <laughs> Who's who is the big boy himself? That was Erling Haaland ah, um, celebrating right. in the stands as Julian Alvarez, uh, who was filling his boots, as Jury put it, right. um, notched for Manchester City. Um, the similarly mucky theme continues here. City's so special, so deliciously smooth. What a team! They are the cream. Cream in which Liverpool drowned. <laughs> that took quite a turn. <laughs> what a way to go. Oh, lovely. Drowning in cream. Double cream, surely. You'd swim your way out of single. I'd back myself to swim out of single cream. But yeah, just lo- lovely. Just completely over-engineering the point, Dave, but but in a, in a lovely way. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. Yeah, truly is. Right. Um speaking of the uh of the title race, Arsenal of course responded to Manchester City's win over Liverpool by um thumping leads themselves, Nick. And it got me thinking about kind of title race shorthand, the sort of things that they just throw out there in between staggered kickoff times. And I've got three main ones and I wonder if we've got any more, but these are the three kingpins of this situation. Over to you, title yep. rival X. Which I re- I don't like. I think it's it's a bit creepy, it's a bit cheesy, and then there's uh if they both won as you were it's it's as, well, no it's not it's not as it's not as weird as that it's just as you were at the top as you were and then the third one uh, which always works after the second title rival has won after the first one has won earlier in the day it's anything you can do. And then you don't you just leave it hanging because you don't bother completing it, otherwise it gets a bit too pantomime. Yeah. But that's all you need for a title race, isn't it, Nick? Is there anything you can do not more kind of associated with like rival players? So Oh, okay. So like Messi and Ronaldo. If they're playing in you know consecutive games or whatever, Ronaldo scores two, Messi scores two, possibly. I accept three. this. I accept this. Dave, I'm happy for you to rule on the primary usage here. I can't see it being used for players outside of Messi and Ronaldo. That's the only thing. I could see yeah, it used... Clear, it has to be a clear-cut rivalry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it definitely will have been used by them, you know, re- regarding them at some point. But, but I think it, it, it is definitely a title race thing as well, for sure. Or what about a situation, Nick, where a player scores a free kick in, in a game and then someone on the other team scores... An, Equally good, if not better, free kick later in the game. That could work as a anything you can do. Yeah, that works. That works. Does there still have to be some kind of familiarity between the teams or the players, or is it, is it that 
is the, them being in the same game enough? Probably. I think so. I think it's, yeah. it's, it's one-upmanship for the same act of football, I think, is enough. Anything James Ward-Prowse can do, yes. Bruno Fernandes can do yeah. better. It works. It does work. Right then, as you were. No For My Sins corner this week. I'm going to give it a little break. I yeah, think. we need, I've we seen need some it. rumblings of discontent about For My Sins Corner, and I'm happy to accept the feedback. But I won't, I won't ignore this from James Harrison, Dave. He says, on the 703 London to Leeds train, and the train manager, in capitals, as if he's getting sacked by a club, um, said he is serving food and drinks from Coach G for his sins. Not sure if that works. Maybe he was serving from first class. It would work. How do you feel about it generally? It doesn't really work. Odd one, Part it? of his job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Whichever way you interpret for my sins, Nick, in whatever whatever motivation you think it's most commonly uttered, none of them work in this situation. I mean, the only thing I can think it is is it's a bit of a labour of love for him. So, oh, f- fucking food and drink. Hungry are you? Would it not work if it was if if that wasn't supposed to be his primary job? If he was, you know, supposed to be collecting tickets or whatever, and you know. Whoever was supposed to be on the on the food and drink hasn't turned up, so for my sins, I'm doing it. But was yeah. it was was it more it, the, the way that that was said or written? Almost sounds like it was as you say. It was the the, the location was more for my sins. <laughs> Coach G. Coach G. Coach D would have been fine, but Coach G for my yeah. sins. Really slumming it in Coach G. Maybe the, the food and drinks coach doesn't change though. That's that's or, fixed. Or maybe if the food and drinks carriage was out of action. But I do have the uh, the cart for my <laughs> yeah. sins in the the vestibule. <laughs> Is it vestibule? Is that the right word? I, yeah, I think that's right. Everyone, you are witnessing the uh, the death throes of for my sins corner here. <laughs> I honestly. If it never happened again, I don't think anyone would mind. Save it for, you know, the odd live show here and there. Right. (laughs) This was said to me by dozens of people the other day, and I really, really enjoyed it. This is um, LeBron James talking about his latest injury setback in perhaps the only way that LeBron James possibly could. Did anyone ever suggest surgery? Yeah, two doctors. Why did you decide against it? Because I went to LeBron James' feet. And he told me I should. <laughs> On one hand, Dave, I'm delighted for him that there is a LeBron James of feet. On the other hand, should you, you know, name X of topic Y yourself? No, of course you shouldn't. But I do like the fact that he, he hesitated just enough for him for it to suggest that he was aware that it was a bit ridiculous, but he went with it anyway. <laughs> it's King James, Nick. He'd do what he likes. Well, yeah, I mean, is, is there not a sort of strata of sports people who who are allowed to to say that. I mean, you know, if it was, I don't know, John McGinn, if he said, I'm going to the John McGinn of feet, even though that would mean decent. I would love to see yeah, it. Decent, uh, a, a good, good, of a good standard, but not yeah. elite. Every now and again, you really will nail a diagnosis, but generally. Well, I mean, we are in some ways issuing a kind of backhanded compliment to the reputation of John McGinn here, but more on John McGinn later, I can tell you. Um, Elsewhere on this subject, this came from Will Loach in Canada, who is reading the Toronto Star. Nick, um, you're sipping your tea. You might prepare yourself to spit it back out because um, he was reading this story with the headline, How This Canadian Doctor Became the Wayne Gretzky of Vasectomies. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best one I've ever heard. 
who's the most Canadian sports person you can think of? And what's the weirdest possible thing you could connect to it? And there it is, the Wayne Gretzky vasectomy. So is it because Wayne Gretzky famously the highest scoring player in in NHL, right? So has this doctor done the most vasectomies yeah, or so is I he really good at them? Longevity and sort of prolific right. um, work, I think, is central to the Wayne Gretzky um, fable. And uh, yeah, Dr. Ron Weiss <laughs> became a living legend by performing 58,789 vasectomies. Wow. More, his peers say. <laughs> than anyone in the hemisphere. Which hemisphere? The northern one? It's, that's very much, you know, he's the best in Europe, if not the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was, I was going to clarify whether it was the uh, a, a numbers thing because I'm I'm not a medical man. The, the LeBron James of feet, it suggests that he will be able to diagnose what's wrong with your feet, but there doesn't seem to be much diagnosis involved in a vasectomy. If someone comes to you and says, I'd like it done, please. Yeah. And yeah, so the idea that it, that they were saying calling him the Wayne Gretzky because he was the best at doing them would have been much funnier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, what's the margin for error there, Dave? Do you think on a vasectomy? <laughs> One snip either side, you know, it could have been millimeters either side, and it could have been disaster. But no, I think it's I think it's the fact that he'd done nearly sixty thousand of them. Who's next? Who could break the record? <laughs> That's what we need to know. <laughs> One of the great unbreakable records, of course, in the vasectomy world. Well. um, uh, Will Loach also asked, Dave, uh, is this just league vasectomies or is it all competitions? <laughs> oh, Post-season. All day. all day I could talk about this. Uh, but let's move on to more pressing matters in the language of football, though. It was a big weekend, Nick, for stunning verb. Here's the headline from The Guardian on Sunday afternoon. Willock and Wilson stun Manchester United to fire Newcastle to crucial win. Then, on Saturday, the BBC had um, a reaction after Aston Villa stunned Chelsea. Adrian Wharton says, you can't stun a team that you were level on points with at the start of the match. This is in the Chelsea-Villa case. It's just an interesting situation we find ourselves in, Nick, because, you know, traditionally, or at least in the Premier League era, or even in the, just in the last five years or so, those games would have been stuns. They would have been stunnings. But how, how topical, how... How local, how short-term should you be applying the logic? I'll definitely take Villa stun Chelsea. Them being level on points is an unusual situation and it probably will be unusual in the future. Right. Whereas Newcastle and Manchester United, you would expect them to be much closer. I understand where you're coming from, but I am instinctively more in favour of Newcastle stunning Manchester United. I think the manner of it, they just, you know, and there's other ways you could describe it, but they really did just blow them away. And I don't think it was like a dead... That's not what stunning is. No, no I was going to say, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you, do, you can do the hang on here if you like. Go on. I know, I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I know where I've gone wrong there. But I mean, <laughs> of the two examples, that felt more of a surprise to me. Wow. I, I wasn't okay. surprised that, Villa, that Chelsea lost to Villa because Chelsea had been rubbish for, for ages. I, like, I, that, they've, I that's, they, that's, they've had that result, what, three or four or five times at home this season, haven't they? I, I think... I think you can't. I think it has to be a kind of rolling three-year landscape for stunning. At the very least, I think this is essentially Nick legacy stunning. This is yeah. what's happening here, and it's it's the so-called self-styled, self-appointed big sixes influence on the media that this that Villa, essentially mid-table rivals of Chelsea, beating them is is called a stunning. I mean, actually, we do have to factor in that Chelsea had most of the play, in a kind of benign sort of manner, but. They were kind of, they weren't breakaway goals. They were fairly well worked. So, hmm. Villa scored in each half, didn't they? They scored, the first goal was in the first half and the second was the second half. Is that right? But it, does that go against it being 
a stunning that should a stunning not have uh, be a kind of 70 minutes an after goal to it. I don't I don't think so and I know what I know why you're saying that I mean but that's what smash and grab is for that smash and grab is so overtly about the manner of the victory whereas stunning I think is about the medium sized picture of mm. what the win means and I think um if you were to look at any of the victories that Watford had when they were in the Premier League for that spell recently we beat all of the top teams apart from Man City at some point we beat all of them all of the five of the big six. I think all of those would have been stunnings. And there, and there were different kinds of scorelines in those. There was a, there was like we beat Chelsea four one. We've a couple of one nils. There's there's all sorts of things in there. And I think small team beats big team, regardless of scoreline, is is an acceptable stunning. Yeah, I mean, but are Villa us... small enough? Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's the, the grey area at the moment. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I, I, even Watford's, you know, famous was it four nil win over Solskjaer United. 4-1, yeah. 4-1. I mean, that even that felt like a stunning more than before you even got onto the margin of victory, which was essentially a thrashing, really. But yeah, stunning is very versatile, actually, uh, which is why we're in the grey areas that we are, really. So, but sticking with Villa, and I said we talk about John McGinn, Julian Beauville writes in, Nick, and says, after McGinn's goal on Saturday, Rob Hawthorne on Sky said, what a week for John McGinn. Did his week really constitute such praise? I feel like something more significant needs to have happened than simply winning some international games. You know, like a new contract or a child being born. I disagree. The international break is great for what a week for player X. You score in midweek for your country. You score again at the weekend for your club. That's what a week. 100%, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and was involved. Uh, he didn't He didn't score against uh, Spain, did he? But he, he again, involved in the... <laughs> no, he, he scored in the previous game. Oh, OK, that's fine. And McTominay scored. Didn't McTominay score both their goals, Scotland's yeah. goals against Spain? So he the win over Spain was mere seasoning, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, it, but it all kind of adds to the what a week. He, you know, what a week scores for Scotland. Then he's involved in a big win. Then he scores and is involved in a big win for Villa. That's classic what a week, surely. I, I do think that the commentators are taking a slight gamble there with because if you're not across the Scotland results, you'd be like, you would be thinking, what, what's he been up to then? What's <laughs> you would assume that Hawthorne would have added some context before I hope so. or after. Yeah. yeah. Just threw it in there. But I mean, in Julian Beauville's defence, Dave, I would say scoring a midweek for your country or maybe in Europe for your club and then scoring again at the weekend for your club is probably the lowest threshold for what a week. I don't think you could do anything less than that and have a what a week. No. You can't do anything less impressive than that in the space of seven days, can you, Nick, and get a what a week? Unless you signed a new contract. No. Does that help? But that, that's 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 more of a yeah, again that's more of a sort of bigger picture career. Not your achievement milestone. as such as something that happened to you. Presumably you're being given a new contract as reward for previous goods. So that's kind of counts as an achievement, does it? Yeah, uh, and yeah. it's all it's all like contract news you have to be a pretty big contract for that to be deemed as a real sort of feather in your cap. I think it adds to the narrative. Sign a contract, score at the weekend, and they co- they go hand in hand. They're such a nice little package. What a week it's been for Theo Walcott. It feels like a device that commentators use to explain other things. Like, yeah. like you say, the birth of a child. Yeah, it's very handy. Oh, yeah, so yeah, birth of child is fully smack bang in the middle of this phenomenon, definitely. What a week it's been. I mean, and that, that implies ups and downs there, Dave. You know, sleepless nights, but what a week it's been. Yeah. But, John <laughs> but I, on the contract thing, though, I think there has to be a threshold for the sort of, for the level of player that that, that is worth <laughs> mentioning about. Why exactly? what, I mean, I mean, John, John McGinn signing a new contract. Did that, I mean, that's almost like 
commentators showing off their research there a little bit. Whereas if it's like Erling Haaland or Marcus Rashford or Mo Salah, where it's a big news, it's a big deal. Fans care about uh, okay. it. I grudgingly accept this. Although I, I, mean, I have to say on a broader point, contract extensions are way overblown as news stories. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about anybody signing a new contract at all, unless their future was so up in the air and there were so many people circling for their services. That's it. Right. And what a week it was indeed for Ollie Watkins, who fulfilled one of my fantasies on Match of the Day by answering a question thus. A little milestone, the first Aston Villa player in the Premier League to score in five successive away games. Tell us about your current form. I didn't actually know that until um, Emmy Wendia said that to me before the game. I thought, what's he, what's he going on about? But um, yeah, obviously I'm delighted. <laughs> a real step up in class from the usual genre of this, Nick, because he actually specified who it was that told exactly. him. Usually yeah. it's a nameless teammate, isn't it? Or the, yeah, or, or the kind of the lads, the, the collective lads. Stato kit man. Yeah, outing Emi Buendia as the as the dweeb of the uh, Aston Villa dressing room there by by who's been keeping track of these things. I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, Emi Buendia is just looking at the. Do you know, Ollie? Do you know if you score today, you'll be the. <laughs> Where's he getting that from? He yeah. gets the up to stat packs before. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, it. It's the, only, it's the only place you're getting this crap from. The actually very good up to stat packs, but to know it in advance and then tell him beforehand, that's going to throw him off his game. Apparently not, though. In Ollie Watkins's case. Right, massive question next from the truly lovely Eamon Dalton, who was having a pub lunch, she says, and Ross County versus Celtic was on in the background. Is Ross County versus Celtic the most on in the background during a pub lunch <laughs> game of all time? <laughs> well, I can see what he means. It must have been an early lunch. It, they're always fucking playing early, I swear. Yeah. Celtic Rangers playing away is always 12 o'clock. He's had a lunch at midday. He couldn't wait. Oh, a bit late for breakfast. Let's, let's just... Midday is fine, isn't it? 12, we'll have lunch. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Once you've sat down and you've ordered your drinks or whatever and all that sort of stuff, you're knocking on for proper lunchtime. But uh, it's all right. They'll, turn, they'll put Liverpool Man City on at half in half an hour. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, but Nick, this is one of those questions which really doesn't have a definitive answer. You just have to soak it in and say, yeah, can't argue with that. Yeah. Nothing really beats that. I mean, maybe, maybe the early championship game instead of the Premier League might be a candidate. They have it on quietly. And it's Middlesbrough versus Blackburn. Don't care, but you are watching it. It's a real kind of, you're having a conversation. Oh, look, Blackburn have scored kind of game. Someone turns around in the seat, looks for about three seconds, then turns back with no reaction whatsoever. Yeah, That that exact thing happened to me, actually, when Blackburn played Sheffield United in the FA Cup. A couple of weeks ago, literally that those exact words. Oh, look, Blackburn have scored. Um, and, <laughs> this and is was, like, oh, good game, this. <laughs> and also on Saturday this week, I was in a pub in Hucknall, near Nottingham, of all places. I'm sure you're familiar with it, Nick. Um, they'd kept BT Sport on all day. So they so we walked in and they had they had uh, the BT score service, mm. which makes sense. You know, they just haven't changed it from the lunchtime game. That don't need to, that's okay. But then they kept it on and they had Yeovil against South End in the National ah, League top class. playing instead of putting Chelsea and Villa. You still feel obliged to look at it. I know. This is the thing, it's so <laughs> annoying. Massive big screen football in a pub, no matter what it is, you still feel obliged to sort of turn around because it's, you know, if the conversation has died, you can just turn around and look at it. It's, it's like kids at a party like, between parents where they just sort of go, ah, oh, look at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a little terror. But yeah, they're doing well, aren't they, Yeovil? <laughs> so with the Blackburn example, it, it is, that's ripe for uh, who's their manager these days? Yeah. Or yeah, I didn't know Player X was there. Yeah, that's, but, that's all the championship is good for in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, what but, the fuck but, is he doing there? 
Yeovil is, is there's not quite so much scope for kind well, of low level small talk. The, the natural question was asked. So what are they both? Just a big game? Are they both top of the table? So we had a look, and it's like it was like seventh against sixteenth or something. <laughs> Couldn't work it out. Classic Hucknall, salt of the earth. Mm. Why were you in Hucknall? I was playing foot golf. Yeah. Oh. Sure. The absolute hotbed of foot golf, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hucknell. Lovely stuff. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Right, welcome back to the adjudication panel. Uh, this came from ex-guest and now Football Clichés devotee, Doc Brown, who was watching the Bundesliga on Saturday. Uh, Der Klassiker, no less. And he says, I love the way the commentator went from describing the weather to having to deal with a shock goal. There's something so pure about this. This is Kevin Hatchard setting the scene really nicely in Munich. The weather has calmed down. It was really quite grotty if you hours ago it was very windy and very wet but still evening oh and Koval what an awful <laughs> mistake and it goes all the way in and can you believe that elegantly uh, elegantly done at least I mean at least he tidied up his loose ends there Dave before dealing with the goal it was good yeah really it was almost over the line yeah and that is such a rare situation. He was perfectly within his rights to be talking about the weather because they were just passing the ball, mm. meandering sort of along the back line. And then just a searching pass from one of the deeper lying players ends up in the ends up in the net. My only issue with this, Nick, and no, it's, it's, not, it's not a piece of commentary technicality I've really thought about too much before, but we're at the business end of the 12th minute here. Shouldn't be dealing with the weather by then, mate. Get it over oh, and done with in the first two minutes. Well, maybe there's was, there was still an element of, 
of poor weather in the and it didn't really clear up properly until the kind of tenth twelfth minutes. I think that's fine. Right. Is, is there a there's a threshold for commenting on the weather? Getting peripheral stuff out of the way in the first two minutes is would be my guidance. But I mean, okay. we're talking about a professional here, so uh, I'm just saying. Um, but you know, it's not quite commentators' curse territory, Nick. But it's very unfortunate. Yeah, I, I did like how he went straight from evening into oh and and then there was no there's no gap between the words he just kind of went straight through it was lovely he, he didn't break verbal stride did he no and that is a mark of class now this to a certain extent blew my mind dave this came from a uh, listener soph and um it's a real 50 50 situation for me i think she says um heard a few commentators recently talking about teams not leaving anything out there but you'll often hear players post-match saying we left everything out there do we want players to leave everything on the pitch or not <laughs> It's really good. Because at first, when I read this, Dave, I thought leaving everything out there was the dominant form of this. But now the more I think about it, it is pretty even. So what's what's going on? Yeah, this is actually quite mind-blowing. Which one is it? I can't decide which one's better. They the same better. thing, don't they? I, I think, it's, I think the, it's, it should be we left everything out there. Like we, we put our hearts and souls and all our effort into this performance and all our effort is out there kind of thing, isn't it? It's completely interchangeable because now we... We didn't leave anything out there today. <laughs> it just seems to work. Uh, hopefully, too, too many people aren't chatting at their phones right now. Um, maybe 60-40 in leaving everything out there as the dominant. You want to leave everything out on the pitch. That's the right one, isn't it? What are you leaving on the pitch? What is that referring to? The, eff- the All effort. All your effort, your yeah. blood and your sweat and your tears. You, yeah. you, have, you have produced the thing that's going to win the game and you've left it out there. The 110%, it's 110% of what? You know, it's the thing that you leave out on the pitch, right? Mm. Effort, essentially passion. And, and then, but then flipping that around, what are you not leaving out there? I t- You've got to say it to yourself again to make it make yeah. sense. Yeah, they didn't leave anything out there. I don't know. What's, yeah, I, that's why, I think that's why I instinctively went Worries, for... Worries, concerns, mistakes? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why I instinctively went for we left everything out there because that, that doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. It's 70-30 now, Nick. Um, the balance has shifted the more I've talked about it actually Dave um, but great question nonetheless these are sort of wrinkles in the language of football we're here to solve now now this is great uh, you may fondly recall um, BT Sports Ian Dark referring to VAR as the thought police <laughs> and um, we thought this might be an isolated incident in the anti-woke movement in football commentary but no this is Burnley versus Sunderland and uh, listener Hoon Linton got in touch with this um, towards the end of the first half. Sky Sports' Daniel Mann and Andy Hinchcliffe discussing a very common turn of footballing phrase. Burns tangling once more, this time with uh, Luke 09. There are a few wind-up merchants around in that penalty area. I think he's clearly saying that 09 is just defending him and not the ball, but has Ashley Barnes got a, a grip of 09 as well? That referee's in a great position to see. He's probably six of one. It's probably four, you've got a centre-forward grappling a centre-half, or nine doing the same to him. So again, you can't uh, give a decision either way. Are we using the phrase six of one, or is that banned these days? Is that banned as well? <laughs> it should be. Yeah, we're moving on, Pritchard. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Nothing's sacred anymore. What? I don't know. Jeez, you could take any cliche and turn it into something problematic, couldn't you? Is this do, do we do we think they mean this in the kind of general scope of wokery? You can't say anything these days, or and I I admit I'm possibly overestimating the reach of this podcast. Are they 
talking about it in the kind of football cliches oeuvre. Mm, maybe, maybe. I don't mm. want them to feel that rattled, though, Dave. You could forgive them for feeling that if they didn't particularly get it, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Elsewhere in the championship, uh, at the weekend, Hull City sent out a tweet at 26 minutes past three with thank you for your magnificent support with the attendance figure of 23,432. Surely a record, Dave, hmm. for the announcement of an attendance. It's like Sunderland getting the sort of the election results out. <laughs> <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> 26 minutes. It's astonishing. Those of Hull City employees just shuffling the little boxes <laughs> through the bowels of the stadium. Ooh, we do it first. Shut up. Get on with it. Do it properly. Good to be right than to be first, as we all know. Uh, I think they do get it right, to be fair to them. Um, right, yeah. Yeah. Interesting, though, yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I guess it... Why does it take so long in football? Do they, is it, a, it should be all electronic these days. <laughs> yeah. Bunch of pensioners... Nick in the bowels of the stadium, rifling through the tickets, making sure they've counted them right. It's also quite very early to go with thank you for your support because yeah. I mean you've got an hour left. That's true. They could turn on them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's gonna, that, I didn't think of that part of it. Going to look pretty silly if they start booing us on seventeen minutes. Aren't they? <laughs> um, if there's an advance on twenty-six minutes for the rest of the season, please get in touch because I want to see the earliest attendance announcement in the championship or otherwise. And they did. They did draw nil-nil in the end against Rotherham. <laughs> Ten man Rotherham at that. Oh right, so, yeah. The next one came from Paul Blackrock, who was listening to uh, West Ham versus Southampton on Five Live. Glenn Murray on co-commentary, using again a very sort of frequent footballing phrase, a footballing sentiment, but it does require some analysis. West Ham United have a corner at one 0 up. I must say, JP, on the afternoon, Agard's been absolutely outstanding, both defensively and attacking getting the only goal to separate the teams at the moment but been a constant threat in both boxes corner kick for West Ham United this is um, Nea Fagwerd of West Ham Dave a constant threat in both boxes it's a see what you mean situation isn't it it is yeah yeah and he's, he's very much carving out a little uh, nice little groove for himself Glenn Murray with these um, it, it's just we, we do know what he means because you do often hear of players talked about as being good in both boxes. Yeah. Being, a, I heard Erling Haaland referred to as that being a, one of the reasons, an extra reason why he'd be missed for Man City at the weekend, because he's also good in there in his own box from corners and stuff. But to describe it as a constant threat, I mean, the constant is just sort of default football speak that he's not thought about. But a threat, you're not a threat in your own box. No, well, you're Richard, a, Richard Dunn reassuring presence. In his own box. Well, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I think, but. Um... <laughs> It's just, you, shouldn't, you don't want to be a threat in your own box, do you, Nick? Unless it's a kind of notorious hard man who is a, a threat to the kind of well-being of other strikers. But even then, not, no not sure you'd say box. it as a positive. No. Yeah, that's a bit pedantic, this, isn't it? Anyway, but <laughs> 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 I've admitted it. It's fine. Uh, but it was, you know, it's worthy of our attention. As was this from Dom Eddy. He says, I found myself thinking about the name of the hooligan firm of my hometown club, Kettering Town. They're called the Shoe Crew after the town's long history of shoe manufacturing. What's the scariest hooligan firm name? Psychos and Lunatics feels too on the nose. It's a bit of a weird one, Nick, to name your hooligan firm after something that should be a club nickname. Or you had a name after a local industry. Yeah, it's just weird. The, the not... The... 
by, by that definition, the, the Forest or Notts County firm would have been the Lace Gang or something. <laughs> that sounds mildly threatening, throttling you in the back seat of your car or something like that. Yeah. Emerging well, out of the darkness. Like it, one of those things where the, 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 the gang leads, they leave a calling card of a bit of lace or a doily or something. <laughs> oh, all right. Oh, so a decorative lace rather than shoelace. Got it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yes, sorry. sorry. Uh, yeah, definitely less threatening in that respect. Um, responding to this, Dave, was um, was Fishing for Boots, who said uh, solid winners have to be the, the Charlton firm Cockney Firestarters. Everton's County Road Cutters. The least scary had to be Bristol City's Family Stand Ointment, Leicester's <laughs> Baby Squad, and the Bournemouth Casual Element. There's something quite disturbing about the Baby Squad. Yeah. Like you, could, you, you can go to the other end of the spectrum and it becomes weird and scary, right? A bit sinister. Yeah, you could see them in like, I don't know, you're like in a Batman film when they've all yeah. got like baby masks on yeah. and they're robbing banks and stuff. Agreed. Um, Bournemouth casual element, Nick, sounds like something that should be on the front of a River Island T-shirt. <laughs> the, the Chelsea Headhunters is one of those things that sound... That was, that was Chelsea, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, the Headhunters. It sounds threatening, or it sounded threatening when they would have been around, but in the kind of LinkedIn era, it uh, sounds slightly less threatening. It's like <laughs> a gang of lads in Stone Island roaming around <laughs> pubs look, looking for someone who can fill a vacancy somewhere. <laughs> I didn't think of that. I guess you don't want to be too obvious with it, Dave. Maybe sort of things, as Dom Eddy puts it, psychos and lunatics maybe is a little bit too obvious, right? Yeah. You need to have a little bit of mystique about your hardness. Exactly. Not for you to say. A trained professional should be able to diagnose this. You can't diagnose your own mental state. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, too right. Okay, yeah. um, More on that from our listeners, if possible. I would like to hear more. Absurdly named hooligan firms, if possible. Not that we're encouraging it. Cockney Firestarters. Is it is it complete coincidence in terms of the Prodigy song, or is it? What's that? Would be what ninety four? Yeah. Yeah, not slightly after that, maybe ninety five. Okay. Was Keith from the Prodigy really a Charlton fan? Let's have a look. Keith, Prodigy, Football Club, Braintree. <laughs> he supported Braintree, so there you go. Finally. A very straightforward one with this, but uh, worried me anyway. Uh, John Whale writes in, Nick, with the simple words, talk sport, 4.27pm, Christmas card list. Stunned. What? Have I not explained that enough? Did it not come across? No, 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 I get it. So on on comp, 4.27pm, so that's in the the football. Somebody has said he won't be on his Christmas card list. They've gone extraordinarily early. Not just early, but inappropriately timed. I mean, even sort of January and February, Christmas has just been in the recent memory. You can imagine it being ironically delivered, but... April might be the worst time to do yeah. it. The start of April might be the, with, with Easter, Easter around the corner. I know. Just, yeah, use Easter. But he can't, though. He won't be getting an Easter egg from him. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would be weird if you bought a referee an Easter egg. It's weird enough buying him a Christmas card. That, that would be sensational in the kind of, rather than exchanging pennants, you just handed over, each team handed over an Easter egg to a baffled referee. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, stuck into that layer. Said Andre Mariner. Um, anyway, thanks to you, Nick Miller. Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. Yeah, and festive greetings to you, David Walker. Thank you. Thanks for everyone for listening. We'll see you in the new year or on Thursday. Cheerio. The Athletic. <laughs>